0: The following is an exclusive presentation of Pirate Radio, the voice of the Pirate Nation. Welcome to the Pirate Radio podcast, featuring special guests discussing a wide range of topics and personal stories. Now live from the Pirate Radio studio, here's Shirley Rhodes. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Pirate Radio podcast featuring Greenville native and author Derek Clark. On today's podcast Jonathan Ellerby will talk to Derek about his new book entitled My Journey Through My Transitions to My Transformation where he chronicles his path in life growing up in Greenville playing little league baseball, graduating from J.H. Rose High School to becoming a drug dealer to serving a long prison term to now being a middle school baseball coach. Sit back and relax. The Pirate Radio podcast starts right now
1: all right welcome in to another edition of the pirate radio podcast jonathan Ellerby here in the podcast room and our special guest today Derek clark thanks for joining
2: us on the pirate radio podcast thanks for having me thanks for having me
1: Derek. uh i've got to meet you and uh, know you a little bit just really just a few months ago because you were uh one of the coaches on the epps middle school baseball team this year my son played on that team and uh Got to hear a little bit about your story, and then it became out that uh, you had written a book. You've grown up in Greenville, and man, my interests were just... was was spiking with uh, who is this guy that's coaching my son <laughs> at uh, Epps middle school uh, but uh, tell us a little bit about it for folks that are just tuning in and we'll dive in you've, you've written a book and uh, y- your story is a unique one and uh, you're doing a lot of great things now but uh, for folks there may be some folks that know the name mm-hmm. Derek but uh, tell us who Derek Clark is
3: yeah well again Derek Clark I am from Greenville North Carolina uh... I'm 50 years old now, just turned 50 uh, on April the 2nd. Uh, my life is—it's uh, a journey. It's a journey. Uh, I grew up in Greenville, uh, on the west side of Greenville. Uh, uh, parents, uh, Beverly Clark and Michael Clemens. Uh, uh, you know, I was raised on—I was raised on, the, on on the south side, and then at some point, my mother moved on the west side of Greenville, where uh, my life would take on a shape, take on a, on a form, and. Uh, I also grew up grew up playing baseball, grew up playing uh, sports in the, in the neighborhood, and then I got introduced to Greenville Little League by uh, by one of the older guys uh, uh, that played baseball. Uh, he was getting off of, of a baseball team, and uh, he said, "Man, why don't you why don't you go to Guy Smith and try to get on get on the baseball team?" So I walked from Kearney Park Projects, and and, and, and then when I got there, uh, I still remember the, the light blue team that was playing. Uh, I think it was uh, First Federal a, a Welcome. Uh, it just so happened i couldn't get on the team but i did come back next year and that was 1983 and i got on uh coca-cola baseball and i started playing in 1983. uh so i grew up playing baseball in greenville little league uh, i did also uh, uh 1984 i'm a city i'm a city uh city champion for coca-cola uh, that same year made all-star team and uh we went to the regionals that that year uh and baseball just continued to progress the next year uh, i played uh uh, of course prep league baseball, made all-star team again. We went to uh, the World Series that time and then uh, skipped the year in 1985, went back to the World Series and uh, played baseball for uh, uh, Jays Rose High School. I am a, a former rampant uh, baseball player. Of course, I'm a catcher, uh, catcher by heart, catcher by nature and still a catcher. Uh, I'm a former MVP uh, for uh, post-American Legion 39 as well, as long with uh, as a, you know as a rampant. Uh, but after 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 high school, I uh, you know got out of high school. I did go to Lenore Community College, and um, you know I, I went for, I went for one week, almost one week, and then I decided to quit because you know I just wasn't prepared. I wasn't prepared for college. Uh, I can also say no one prepared me for college, and you know once I got there, I was just scared, man. Uh, you know maybe because they put me in a whole new position. You know I played catcher from little league all the way through. Uh, American Legion Baseball and then I got there to put me in outfield and it just, you know, freaked
2: me out, man, and I decided I was going to do what I always did. I was going to quit because I ain't want no one to know that I failed, you know. Right, baseball a, a big part of your life, still a part of your life.
1: As I mentioned, you're uh, one of the coaches at uh, Epps Middle School. Uh, as a catcher, they always say, you know, catchers make the best coaches because <laughs> they're they're kind of the coach on the field. You right. kind of, I mean, Cliff Godwin was a former catcher. He's the coach at ECU baseball now. So you have those instincts right. uh, of of the game. But uh, so gr- growing up in Greenville, uh, a Greenville kid, a, a Greenville man now, uh, you, you decided to write a book because uh, it's called My Journey Through My. Trans- Transitions to My Transformation for My Testimony, uh, and we'll dive into your book about what it's about, uh, but uh, w- why did you decide to uh, write a book? Uh,
3: I, I was in prison. Uh, I, think I, was at my, I think I was at the third prison in West Virginia when I started writing. I actually wrote my mother uh, a letter, and it was like a 20-page letter. It took on its own shape, it took on its own form, and I, started, I, I, I was writing her some things that she really didn't know about me. You know what I mean, and then once I, uh, you know, once I typed it up and I read it for myself, I said, "Man, this has the uh, the, the, the makings of a book," <clears throat> and so I uh, I decided to start writing that book right then. I started writing the manuscript right there in prison, uh, and 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 then it it became therapeutic for me because it gave me an opportunity to to figure out how in the world did I get. In that particular situation, where I would make that, that the decision to sell drugs right in my community, and then ultimately land, uh, land in prison. So uh, I did. I started that book in prison. Uh, but the funny thing is, the manuscript that I wrote in prison, I didn't even use uh, when I came home from prison. I finished it once I got out of prison in, in 2000 and maybe 2017, 18. I I finished the book. Uh, But it was when I came home from prison, I started, you know, going through the community, going through the, uh, you know, the community and and, and where I was raised at. And I wrote the first chapter uh, on the side of the projects in which I lived when I was a a young guy. And so, uh, you know, I just wrote it. And I just wanted to find the answer of how did I get in that position? When did I make that decision? And, and again, it became therapeutic, and I realized that that book would help someone as well.
1: We'll dive in the book in just a second. I want to dive in uh, real quick and just read the introduction, uh, the first paragraph and last paragraph. Uh, for folks that are tuning in here on the Pirate Radio Podcast. Once again, Jonathan Ellerby here with uh, Derek Clark. Uh, Greenville native, uh, has written a book, uh, grew up in Greenville, just ran down his list of accolades, playing Greenville Little League, all sorts of stuff. But uh, after uh, high school and stuff, got into some trouble selling drugs and went to prison. But uh, I thought the introduction, and this really kind of is a very powerful way of the, the first and last paragraph of, of just your introduction will, will probably grab a lot of people's attention, and we'll kind of dive into your life from there. But mm-hmm. here's the first paragraph. It goes, life has a way of catching us by surprise with courses and pathways that are unpredictable. It is a tough enough trying to figure out life while we are doing the right things and living the right way. Making bad decisions takes us on extreme paths that, than we could ever anticipate. Such was my life. I found myself clumsily navigating a road to destruction because of my decision to become a drug dealer and then to the last paragraph of your introduction it goes i had gone from one bold emphatic declaration to another i will never sell drugs to word drug dealers now both statements made in the heat of a moment both i believe were my permanent state the latter of the two statements called my life to spiral down an unfortunate path Yet God still had a plan for my life. And that's kind of, I mean, your introduction is very powerful, and there's a lot more in between the -hmm. first and last paragraph there. Mm -hmm. But uh, what do you, I mean, you said in the book, what what led you to um, the the life of becoming a drug dealer that ultimately got you uh, sent to prison for a long time?
3: Well, I I just think it was... It was the way i was 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 raised and in the environment that I grew up in you know certainly I didn't have to uh sell drugs just because I grew up in the environment, but uh it became the safest thing to do uh, you know drugs were in my house as 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 a youth you know uh you know both selling and using and and you know i was you know I wouldn't say privy but i i I witnessed you know Drug users come to my house. I, I witnessed drug uh, users or drug dealers outside, around in the environment, right? Uh, so, uh, I, like the like like the introduction read. I never you know had plans on selling drugs, but then once I uh, got out of college, uh, you know I worked a few jobs and then. You know, it just wasn't sitting right. I just wanted to, you know, party more and, and, and certainly work. You know, a work regular job wouldn't provide me the opportunity to do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. So uh, uh I went to I went to the streets. I asked somebody for some drugs. They gave me some drugs to sell and uh my life began to take that that form and began to take that shape, you know. But I, I didn't have to sell drugs just because they were there, but it was the closest thing for me to do. And also, uh, once I did start selling drugs, instead of having my name called as the the next batter the catcher, you know, my name was ringing in the streets as a, a as a drug dealer. And that did, I guess, it hid some of my failures. You know, I could hide behind uh, the allure of drug dealing. Uh, so it just it hid some of my failures. That's what it did.
1: It seemed like a while early on in the stages of the book, you kind of tell your story where you really were kind of put off. By drugs and didn't want to go down that path. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think one of the things that stood out on me. I mean, you even had a group of friends that y'all called yourselves the NBA. Yep. No, nothing but alcohol. Nothing
3: but
2: alcohol. That
1: y'all didn't want to be involved in drugs or, or use drugs or sell drugs. But eventually, it just that that pressure or just the the op- once you got. Hooked on, I guess, selling drugs, it just right. became too, too, because you were working a regular job, but the money and everything else just became too overwhelming. Right.
3: Well, working working the regular job, all right, it, it, it was consistent money, but, but it didn't provide me the opportunity to go do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it, because, you know, growing up in the community, you see people with, you know, they got cars, they got jewelry, they got money, they got everything else that comes with it. And so uh, I, I I began to be fascinated by it, you know. We uh, you know, over on our side of town, we do have what we call local heroes, and we call them OGS, and, and you know things of that nature. So we we they become they become uh, our, uh, you know, if you will, they become the basketball players that we look up to, you know. And and we decide we just start we, we start mimicking some of their habits, you know, mimicking some of their tendencies, and you know, ultimately we end up selling drugs. Just another story. We you. One of our local old drug dealers, he you know got killed. You know he got killed, and everybody you know looked up to him. And so I had the privilege of wearing, uh, getting two pair of his, his sneakers, right, uh, when he when he passed away. And and I couldn't even wear the sneakers. It was two pair of Air Max uh, sneakers, and uh, I was I was given the opportunity to wear those sneakers, but I couldn't even fit those sneakers. But just the mere fact that those sneakers belonged to him, I wanted to put them on even though they were too tight, right? And I couldn't wear them. Uh, well, metaphorically my life became that I was living a life that didn't fit me and uh you know, well before I went to prison, uh, my life began to become a struggle where I didn't want to do this anymore. So I would get out of the, the what we call the drug game and go find jobs and stuff like that and then you know, then get back in it, you know, because I wasn't accustomed to, you know, going and getting those jobs that would, you know, give me the money that I was used to.
1: Jonathan Ellerbe, Derek Clark, our special guest uh, on the Pirate Radio podcast today. Derek, a um, uh, part of the book I found fascinating as, as a child, and then I guess when you were uh, back on the streets dealing drugs later as a as a young adult, you you lived a lot of places all over yeah. uh, West Green. I mean, you were West Greenville born and raised, but uh, I mean, you didn't stay in one particular area. You right. kind of knew the, those whole parts of the city. Maybe that a lot of people don't uh, you know know as well as you.
3: Yeah, yeah I, I I I guess I call myself sometimes I call myself the uh, the tour guide of the hood. Okay, right? <laughs> you know, because of those experiences, you know, but. You know being in those uh you know low economic low economic uh environments you know we were you know sometimes uh we could move when we wanted to uh you know of course we couldn't move you know like we wanted to like we uh like we can now you yeah, know you're those, more forced
1: to move I guess.
3: absolutely absolutely so you know uh those communities I, I i learned i you know i grew up you know knowing a lot of people and so we you know We moved because we had to sometimes.
1: So you knew all the people basically on the West. Part of Greenville growing up, but uh, baseball kind of brought you in. Where you you, you you were able in school and everything, mm-hmm. were you able to make a, a, a lot of relationships and uh, n- know a lot of people? And, Of course, Greenville was a lot smaller back in those days when you right. when, when you were growing up. So uh, a lot of people knew uh, knew Derek Clark of either of as the the great baseball player, or right. or, or later on
2: as as a person that uh, on the west side of Greenville. Right, right, right. I call that the the diamond creeks the circle. Of course, the baseball field, right? It creates a particular
3: circle amongst people that play baseball and people that stick with it. You know, uh, you know. Once I, when I did come out of prison, right? The uh, Story is, uh, I came back from Connecticut, I think, and and I was I'm st- I was coaching baseball uh, at Jackie Robinson, Jackie Robinson baseball, and then one of the one of the players that I that I coached, you know, uh, he must have heard some information about me, you know, while I was gone. So when I came back, he. Uh, he said, Coach, I heard you were a legend, right? And I'm thinking, wow, he didn't heard that I was a legend. Well, during that same weekend, I think it might have been uh, 4th of July weekend or something like that, I was over at Greenville, I was over at uh, Elm Street Park. And my former Coca-Cola coach, right, he had saw me. We had uh, had dinner a couple times since I've been home. But we were sitting at the park, right? And, you know, he's, we spoke. And once he did that, he went and sat behind me. And as he's sitting behind me, I can hear him telling somebody in front of him that that's a Coke legend right there. So here I am on, on, on in, in the same weekend hearing the word legend, right? On one side, I'm a legend for something else. On this side, those that know, I'm a legend for, I guess, being a catcher of baseball. But yet, uh, baseball is that thing that took me to uh, this side of town where I, I was you know able to to meet some some other other people and I still see them in a relationship with them today you know still prominent people today still uh you know have an opportunity to you know you know fellowship with them and, and you know speak with them and and even if it's something that we need, you know, I can come on this side of town and, and get it.
1: The one thing, uh, just from knowing you a little bit and reading your book and uh, obviously, I mean, it, it's when you do something, you do it, seem to do it pretty well. You were really good at baseball. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, unfortunately, you became a really good, I guess, drug dealer that uh, was ultimately kind of your downfall that, we, as you said, you kind of became came a legend. And uh, in, in the book, it says, uh, I thought one of the things that was that was really powerful is uh, this is. It's, uh, it's through life can be obscure and confusing. There are times when great transformations begin with unfortunate circumstances, unfortunate circumstances. Prison happen. and uh, that that was kind of uh, you know where you know ultimately you you did all, you had a lot of things mm-hmm. going on with drugs, but uh, ultimately uh, you know the end game is is usually prison or sometimes
2: death for people. And uh, you, and you called. You going to prison was uh, a rescue. It was. It was a rescue. It was a rescue. And again,
3: uh, prison happened was a state is a statement. Prison happened. Uh, I, I, I always say that divine purposes are fulfilled in everyday experiences. Prison happened, and and once I was able to understand understand what prison was, uh, and to know that I was there for a purpose, uh, and even to uh, I guess to, to become a minister, to become a man of God. I uh, When I was ni- 1993 still selling drugs, that's in the book that uh, one guy used to come through every now and then, he would pull me to the side and say, boy, you're gonna be a preacher one day. And then it didn't dawn on me and it didn't recall me until I got to prison and then Once that purpose awakened in me, uh, it became something else rather than sitting down and suffering in prison. It became uh, a time for me to sit down and to find out what will my success be when I leave prison. I, I did find that part
1: of the book very powerful. That that one person would say on Fourteenth Street, just I think where, where we recalled it, that he, he was saying that you would be a preacher one day, and mm-hmm. and then you, later on in the book, and, and of course after years of prison, I think you reflected on that. Mm-hmm. And uh, when, when you reflect on it now, of uh, I mean, how does that stand out so much to you that you were going to be a preacher one day? That, that 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 guy was able to recognize mm-hmm. of what kind of person you were then, even though you weren't doing some of the right things.
3: Uh, I, I I bet you some of my friends would come in and say they're, they're not shocked. Uh, some of the people that know me, they will say that, he, that they're not shocked because uh, me my mother, my family, especially where we lived at, we were pretty much the house where everybody can go at and uh, at party, you know, and, 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 you know, do our thing, whatever our thing was at that time. And so we was, we was almost like, you know, the, the church if you will uh that people would come and congregate to in fellowship so and then there was always that 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 voice or that word that I could you know encourage people with or give people you know I had a voice already you know unfortunately it was in drugs, but I had a voice already and I and I suppose that you know however it works uh, through, through the through divine occurrences it you know it became that I would be You know, use my influence, uh, use my voice uh, to uh, again to minister
2: to people, but also to use it to influence people to do to do good. When you were when when your days were getting numbered, did you know they were getting numbered before you got
1: caught by the police? And were I mean, did you feel it closing in, or did you
3: feel like you were never going to get caught? Uh, Being a being a student of of the streets. You you, you you almost know that you are only gonna get but a certain time, uh an amount of time to do that. Uh of course, yeah. Uh there are times like again we were you know, my guy, we were, you know, getting out of the game because we were tired of selling drugs. You know, I was tired of selling drugs. Uh but, you know, couldn't really find anything else to do. But there was a time where guy got out of prison. Yeah, he came straight to my house and he said, Doc, man, they got a note with your name on it, man, running around the prison. And that time I was I was pretty sure because I was you know, wasn't doing as much as I used to do. I was pretty sure that I wasn't going to prison, but you know, I learned about a law called a conspiracy that you know, two or three people can uh, conspire together. But all it takes is two or three people to go to uh, the local uh, uh, police officers or, or or the DA and tell them that they know somebody that's doing something, right? So without any evidence of drugs, that's how my, me and my guys ended up in prison. Uh, but yeah, that, that's that's how that happened.
1: Yeah. When you got caught, you put chapter 10 in the book, you call it the New Hope Road. It said, although the federal government was doing the arresting, the real plot was that God was rescuing me. That will be evident in the days the years to come. With the hindsight bias, I can boldly confess that this was no arrest. This was a rescue. Absolutely. So I, I thought it was kind of profound that, uh, you know, when people would say maybe at your lowest mm-hmm. that uh, you really felt like, Maybe it was a transition period that uh, mm-hmm. God had, had come to rescue you from the streets, and right. I guess teach you a lesson. And that lesson was going to be a lot of time served in prison.
3: Right, right, right. A- absolutely, it was. It, it was a rescue. It was a rescue. Uh, uh, man, I, you know, I've gone through some things. Uh, living on those streets some 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 you know some things that are still uh, very traumatic because of you know growing up in that environment you know what i mean uh while you're in it you can become desensitized but once you get out of it and you start looking back at it you realize man wait a minute man that was you know, that was very traumatic, you know, like being trapped in a house, man, and and people wanting to, you know, come and rob you for what, you know, they think you have, you know, being surrounded, you know, and in, in, in guns and in bullets being flying through your house while you inside the house. People, you know, wanted to kill you, you know what I mean? Being shot out there in those streets, you know what I mean? That, that happened. Uh, so, uh, getting out of that and being able to look back, I realized, wait a minute, I was rescued. Not everybody get an opportunity to get rescued out of it like that. So, you know, uh, you know there was a, I don't know if it was a pact between me and my guys, but I do know that
2: uh, once I went to prison for the first time, that was going to be the last time. And that's what happened. I find that fascinating that you say you get so desensitized
1: into that, you know, that gun bullets, drugs, Mm -hmm. you know, everything is just, it becomes just your way of life where Mm -hmm. you don't, where you don't even think twice about it, where the the average person or whatever would be like, holy cow, this is, this this is nuts. But I, I guess, I guess, you know, when did you really start reflecting on being like, wow, how lucky was it that God did rescue me, I guess, off that right. path and
3: uh, gave me
1: an opportunity to choose a new path. It didn't mean necessarily right. that you were going to take it.
3: Right. It was, uh, it was pretty early on. I hadn't even left uh, the county jail, which is on New Hope Road. I hadn't even left there yet. And we ha- I, they, they used to give us what's called the daily bread. And there was all a, a word of the day. And then there was some, you know, some thought behind it. And then when I read it, it says that it's, it, it was called the blessing that we all need. You know, when I read it, it was during that transition time where I was, you know, you know, filling that pool to I guess, if you will, to, you know, give my life to Christ. I was filling that pool. And then that that happened. I read that and I realized, you know what? <laughs> Even though we we're planning on going to trial. Right. I had a sense, a strong sense that we're not going to win this trial. We're going to prison. But I was comforted knowing, knowing that it was going to be the blessing that I needed.
1: You did uh, right before your trial. You did uh, get a new life and a new perspective, and you became saved again. Right. Um, uh, walk us through that that story of uh, who who ha- was anybody with you that pushed you along a little bit more, or was it just like just a light one day that came over you and just said, "Hey, this I, I see it. I'm
3: I believe it, and yeah. this is me." Well, in jail and in prison, it, it becomes a place where people are really searching for for something different. All right, people, whether whether it's Islam or uh, whether it's uh, you know some uh, your own spiritual uh, journey, it's a place where people are really searching for something higher than themselves, right? And you know, sitting around in the county jail, of course, uh, there'd be more uh, Bible study than anything else. And so I would see these guys going to Bible study, and and of course my guys started going to Bible study before I did, and. Uh, Uh, and then it just happened one day that, you know, one guy came in from the outside to minister to us and, and he began preaching a message, uh, and, you know, he asked the question, what are you waiting for? You know, of course, you know, as we always say, he was speaking directly to me and I just felt that day, that, that message that day is spoke to me. And, and, and so I, uh, I made that decision to, uh, you know, to come to Christ to come to Christ, man, and and then you know, like a newborn baby, you know, tears
2: falling, and it was just a new birth, just a new uh, era for me to start transitioning. Right, Derek Clark, our special guest on the Pirate Radio
1: Podcast, his book, My Journey is uh, available on Amazon. We'll get you some more details in a little bit. But Derek, a uh, Greenville, North Carolina native, uh, has quite a story. And uh, you accept Christ right before you go on trial. You even just mentioned a few minutes ago that you knew you weren't going to beat it, that you were going to go to prison. And then uh, on February 22nd, 1999, you were sentenced to 360 months in federal prison. Uh, What was that moment like when, uh, I guess, the judge gave mm-hmm. you your uh your your life path of what you were going to be doing I guess for the 360 months at that point.
3: Woo, man, hey. Now, again, we had we had started studying so we kind of understood how much time we were going to get um but it's one thing to know, but it's it, and it's another thing to hear it, right? Um, to hear those numbers and then to look over around in the court in the courthouse to see that uh um, we went, to, we went to prison uh, on conspiracy charges, but to look around in the courtroom to know that we, 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 we were just conspired against, right? It was an unjust trial. Uh, it was uh, something, uh, of course, uh, yes, we, we did uh, dabble in drugs, but it was the stories that were there were made up. There were people on, on that stand that didn't even know us uh, there were people on that stand that never had any dealings with us, right? But they were allowed to go up there and tell and and, and tell the world that uh, we sold drugs to them and and we sold this amount of drugs to them, and then we always had guns. Uh, but to know that I got, I'm, I'm going to get this time, but also to see that you know there's this cons- great conspiracy in this courtroom that uh, that's going to force me to go to jail, you know, you know. I was I was willing to take, you know, take grips with it and go to prison but at that very moment it was that was traumatic, you know. what I mean, so I, you know, I screamed out in the courtroom, you know. what I mean, I had to, I had, I had to take my last stand, if you will, in the movie. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I got I had to take my last stand and just, you know, just show off a little bit, in, in you know, in, in there. But
2: once I got back there, man, it, it hurt so bad, man. It hurt so bad. Was accepting the prison sentence seems like that was easier than accepting what
1: everybody was saying what you did because that you were saying that, that a lot of people were not telling the truth right, right. about the reality. So that part of the reality, wasn't the truth and that, that hurt you more yeah. than, than. But, but when the actual sentence, then once it was all said and done, then uh, how did you, how, how hard was the transition to accept that? Hey, all right, here I am. I'm, 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 I'm in prison now. I just become saved, right? You know, was there was that still your faith still helping you at that moment,
3: or because it's got to be tough? Uh, it, it became. It was. It was at the the, the the seat of my hope, but I still had to go through the transition. So that was that was county time. But then there's prison time. So you have to go and figure out what is prison, and then you have to figure out how do you fit in in prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what is your you know where is your group going to be at you always got to find your group so uh, of course uh, I found I found I found the uh, the believers the you know the fellowship with the christians and 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 then it was from there I, okay I love basketball you know I, I love softball I love baseball but you know it's softball and there you know I found that I found those guys and I start playing basketball start playing softball and and then uh uh, but the the greatest hope was that we still had time to put appeals in, to appeal that first sentence. And we did appeal that first sentence, and then uh, we won on that first appeal, and then we was able to give time back. You know, I was able to give uh, 10 years back, and, and then there was, you know, another one of my brothers was able to get 10 years back. And then there was, you know, one guy had a whole life sentence, with never coming home, but he was able to give that
2: time back as well off that same case that, that we had won on. So it was that hope. A lot of the time, uh, you talk about that you, of what you thought. I guess kept you, you know,
1: busy in prison was sports, mm-hmm. church. And work, and I guess obviously you were working on your appeal yeah. too, which uh, was successful. That you uh, got your sentence reduced, which was good. Mm-hmm. But uh, so you got when you went from 360 months to,
2: to how much time? To 240 months. To 200. And did you serve all 240 months? Uh, no, we. I served uh, 17 months. I Se- mean, 17 years. S- 17 years, mm-hmm. and uh, throughout your book, you kind of document your journey. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you moved around
1: mm-hmm. from. Uh, prison to prison, and yeah. I guess was, was that wasn't really, I guess, by your choice. They were just
3: kind of moving you where you right. needed to be. Is that correct? Right, right. Well, once your your, your custody level starts going down, right, and and sometimes when you can spend a certain amount of time at a, a, a particular prison, you can uh, put a transfer in. They don't have to honor it, but sometimes they do based off of how you carry yourself and what you're doing. And so uh, including that, and then with my custody level going down, that's how I was able to, uh, you know, transfer, you know.
1: Well, talk about uh, I, I referenced earlier uh, that you're kind of a legend in Greenville Little League and then uh, you, but you were really good at, at, at prison sports as well that uh, I mean I think it was like four or five MVPs that uh, you yeah. were able to get from uh, playing softball or, or, or basketball in prison and uh, mm. what were, how would you how would you describe uh, competition and games
3: uh, behind bars listen uh it's just, it's just as, as competitive, out here, right? I mean, in there as it is out here. In fact, maybe even more, because you have some exceptional athletes, man, that have made some bad choices that end up in prison, and 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 our fa- our our fame, our our fame, our glory in there is to be the best athlete that you can be while you're in prison. You know what I mean? And I started training hard. I, you know, I never trained that hard when I was playing sports on this side. But you know, there are some great athletes in there. There are some great people in there, uh, and we we pushed each other to, to be the best that we could be. Uh, of course, yeah, I'm very proud of every one of those MVP awards that I won in prison. You know what I mean? Because it helped me. It helps me. It helped. It helped my morale, right? It it, it helped me to understand that I am still valuable, not just in sports, but I'm still valuable in life right, and I can still use that. So I'm, yeah, I was very proud of every last one of those MVPs in, in, in prison, you know, in playing softball, right, playing shortstop, you know, diving around like I'm going to the league or something, uh, playing basketball. I was very proud of that, very proud to be uh, very competitive and to win those awards in prison.
1: Was it really the sports, work, and church that uh, gave you hope to keep you keep you going? Because I imagine just like in life outside or even inside, I mean, there's, mm-hmm. there's bad choices you can make in prison, I yeah. guess, and, and be around, you know, bad people mm-hmm. in that place that uh, could lead you not to a place where you have
2: hope and uh, are on a uh, positive path to uh, getting out of prison. Absolutely. Absolutely. Those were the things that kept me consistent. It was always, uh, you know,
3: my, my day, my week, uh, it was mapped out by uh, by church. It was mapped out by uh, participating in sports, uh, participating in, in in training and stuff. Uh, so everything that I did in prison, I'm doing now. I'm doing now. It's just that I I learned more and I was able to do more as time went on. You know, uh, becoming uh, an inmate pastor while I was in there, uh, becoming what they call the commissioner of the league. So you you, you know you kind of in charge of the recreation department. You know, uh, and, and of course I was the you know personal trainer. I was a group trainer. So uh, everything that I did in prison, I'm doing now.
1: You, uh, you did become a preacher in prison. That's, uh, you, you're kind of the guy on 14th Street that told you one day you were going to be. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was a cool part in a story uh, in the book uh, that, that it really kind of pushed you outside your comfort zone. It did. Uh, because, I mean, although I mean you'd been saved and you believe and all this, but uh, wh- wh- how did you become that moment where you think, like, hey, I need to get up in front of people and, and, and share my testimony and, and, and be a preacher to others?
3: It, it's— it's a knowing, uh, you know, I don't know, you know, put things together to say how it happened. I just know that it was it was a moment. And and, and I suppose it started with writing and I shared my writing with uh, a former inmate pastor. And, you know, because I was searching and I wanted to know exactly, you know, who am I? What am I going to do? Uh, and so i I shared some writing with them. he read them. they were in sermon form format i suppose and and we I got with him one day and he said, doc man you you know what you're called to do and i and I guess I did it was annoying, right and so I began speaking uh when they asked me to pray, I would pray and when they asked me to read a scripture, i would read the scripture and so you know, that's how it was. It was just a knowing and then, you know, it just became clear that this was what I was gonna do.
1: It sounded like you'd really grown as a person. Um uh, I mean I guess there were probably some ups I mean, a lot of ups in growing as a person but there were probably some moments that yeah. I guess yeah. other people help, helped you through uh prison or is there any relationships from people that you uh that you can remember that really finally helped stay you stay on the right path while you were there
3: Oh absolutely uh, of course uh mentors inside of prison uh they helped and then uh it was like uh you know my my support system that was out here my sisters uh
1: you had family and friends from the outside that were were helping you as well.
3: Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Uh,
1: April seventh, two thousand fifteen. Yeah, yeah. Inmate Clark, for the very last, time, very last it, time, it says in the book, "My name was called over the loudspeaker. My bag was already packed. I'd given everything away, as did others when they left to go home. It was a tradition mm. that has to stand." I had to take a walk towards that very same door I walked through almost four years prior. uh, As I was walking, guys that I had been with for many years, the new inmates were all waiting to shake my hand and give hugs and encouragement. I had been in that line many times waiting to do those same very things to those that were on their way out. It's a great feeling both ways, but it's even greater when you're the one taking that walk. I felt confident that what mm-hmm. God had started in me, even though it started in prison, was accomplished. Mm-hmm. The town driver, one of my fellow inmates, took me up to FCI. So that had to be uh, a day that uh, you you always remember of uh, your, your last day in prison. What what When you reflect back on that now, what what are your memories?
3: Uh- I almost, I almost believe that I, 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 you know, ex, excited as I was, I almost believe that I kind of downplayed it so I wouldn't get too excited. Uh, but it was, it was the moment that we all, we all look, we all look forward to, uh, uh, just being nervous and, and and trying to figure out. Okay, you don't, you don't put me in prison for seventeen years now. What am exact, what exactly am I going to do now? You know, of course, that that part that you just read that was coming out of prison. But man, I'm going to tell you uh, going to the bus stop and waiting
2: and going into a store, trying to figure out what you're going to buy, you know. So when you got out of prison, they took you to a bus stop right right and then they just you they gave you a bus ticket
1: because you were where were you when you got out of prison I was, uh, They were talking about that was your, your the last four years you were mm-hmm. in this that's what it said four years mm-hmm. where were you and then where did you go when you exited the doors
3: i was in west virginia and once they once the town driver took me to the bus stop which was right around the corner right it was uh in the in, the, in that town uh at a, at a store where it was n- not really a bus stop just where the bus
2: came at and you know, and there was a store over there. I went in the store. I looked in that store, man, and tried to figure out what I was gonna buy. Now that you have money, I guess your family has sent you, or uh,
3: I had money from from working from in working. Prison. Okay,
2: yeah, from working in prison. Of
3: course, you know, I'm sure somebody sent me some money. But I decided to uh, ride the bus rather than have someone come pick me up. Okay, just to take it all in. Just to, take just to have that moment yeah. with yourself. Yeah, just to take it all in. I, so I, I rode the bus, and plus I was going to
2: uh, the halfway house. So, and they were gonna they, they were gonna be able to, uh, to come up there to see me anyway. Right, right. So you rode the bus. What did you end up buying in the store? I, I, Do you I remember? Don't, I don't even remember, but I know it was the most difficult decision of my lifetime.
1: <laughs> <laughs> a lot of you
3: hadn't had to make a lot of decisions I guess before yeah, I guess right. on, on yeah. stuff like
1: that. I did yeah. see the one part in the book your sister ended up picking you up when you got off the bus, that's right? And yeah. know, I think
2: you told her the one thing you wanted was a Chick-fil-A sandwich. That's all I wanted.
1: How good was that Chick-fil-A oh, sandwich?
2: Oh man, I don't I don't know if we even got that Chick-fil-A sandwich because we ended
3: up eating uh, you know, congregating together and eating stuff melts, but once
2: I did get a Chick Fil A sandwich, man, I knew I knew that was the thing that I was looking for. So uh, you, you, you've been out of prison uh, since 2015. Uh, to c- catch
1: everybody up to speed, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, mm-hmm. Derek Clark, our special guest, uh, I, I've got to know you uh, just recently over the last few months because you were the coach for the Epps Middle School team. We'll talk about their season in just a second, but right. uh, um, w- what have you been up to since you know you're, you're being out of prison?
3: Well. I've uh, been out of prison again two thousand uh april april the seventh it was uh it's been a journey uh it's been a it's been a great transition uh the community on both sides of the tracks if you will uh have opened opened their arms up and received me back into the community uh, started working job my first job was working in the mental health mental health and and substance abuse field down in down in Rocky Mount, and then i worked in uh, some group homes and stuff like that um uh, then I just started working, you know, moving furniture, and uh, started coaching baseball uh, with Jackie Robinson, with Jackie Robinson League on the West Side. Uh, that was like the first door that was open to me to to come, you know, help serve the community. And so, you know, I still I'm still affiliated with those guys. Uh, we I, I I I you know I umpire over there now. I like to do a lot of training over that way, all right. Uh, and then uh, I was given an opportunity by, you know, by Mike, by Mike Joyner to come and coach at Simmons Middle School. So this is the third year that I've been over there coaching. Uh, of course, uh, uh, through that same system, I was given an opportunity to go work at Vitek Medical Center. So, uh, Vida, uh was able was able to give me a quality job, you know, because when you come out of prison, you need you want to have some sense of quality, some sense of purpose, and Vitek Medical Center was able right. to open up the doors to a to a, a fellow felon. Uh, who had did uh, 17 years in prison, who had sold drugs. And so that was very important. But then there came a time where, you know, I wanted to get to my own purpose. So uh, right now I'm a, I'm a full-time personal trainer, you know, uh, certified personal trainer. Uh, I, I train in, in general, and then I also train athletes as well.
1: How do you uh, – are you doing any preaching?
3: Uh, I, I, do, I do do some preaching when I'm, when I'm called to preach. Uh, I'm transitioning. I'm out. I think I'm just waiting for that, that building. That building to put fitness and preaching all in the same building.
1: What do you what do you have a brand that uh, you, you use? You have G Fit there, oh, yeah. a, a cool shirt on today. Yeah. What what uh, tell us about uh, the, the the brand and uh, yeah. fitness stuff that you're doing?
3: Well, I was trying to figure out what exactly was I going to name my brand. I, I went through a, a few different names, and then all of a sudden, it just came G-Fit. G Fit. Uh, G the G Fit simply stands for Grace to be fit. You know, we're all grace to be fit. It's just how much are you going? How much are you going to go out and, and, and do it for yourself? So, and I, I just made this shirt this morning.
1: Oh wow, <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. a fast turnaround.
3: Yeah, so I do have a I do have a a, a I guess I have a t-shirt business as well, right? Okay. Uh, 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 most people are buying the pure grace t-shirts that I have. Uh, I have one called exalted. I Have one called uh, already. And also, uh, of course, because of my training, this will probably
2: be popular as well because it goes along with
3: the fitness business.
2: What do you feel like your calling and purpose is of now and the future? Uh, where wherever and however it is to inspire, to encourage
3: people, uh, especially that are going through tough times, uh, that need that you know that push in life to know that. You don't have to give up no matter what you have gone through, no matter what you're going through. Uh, That's
2: ultimately, uh, I guess, what I wake up looking to do each day. If you hadn't written a book, and I just knew you as Coach Clark from the Epps
1: Middle School team, I, I would not know your story. Like, wow. and your story is an amazing one in your book, and I, I recommend everybody to get jump on Amazon and, and get a copy and read it. Especially if you're from Greenville, or just this just, just very interesting stuff. But how often are you telling? You told a great story today, but how often uh, are you are you sharing your story? Because I mean, if you you got peel back a layer and be like, oh wow, Coach yeah. Clark it was a felon. He right. wow, he did do 17 years in prison. That's uh, a lot of people can't relate to that and don't understand right. it, but right. uh they see where you are today and and, and, and what a turnaround and and story mm-hmm. you have.
3: Right. Uh listen. I love I love my story. I'm not ashamed of my story. Uh when I when someone does meet me and we begin to converse, uh I always I always get to that place where like, you know, where okay now it's time to get to the part of the story you know i may tell them that i'm coaching i may tell them that i'm training or i may tell them that i'm doing uh, something else but i always have to get to that place where especially when when they look at my when they look at me and they don't think that i'm 50 years old right and so that's the that's the segue of of how i tell my story i'm 50 but I was preserved for 17 years, and so I get into that Pope prison story right there. So, And I'm always looking. I'm always looking to tell my story. I don't care where it is. I don't care who I tell it to. I'm always looking to tell my story because what? It's not going. It's not going to prevent me from going into places because I'm graced. I'm graced to be here. I'm graced to tell my story.
1: Is uh, do you have a calling to really help out? I mean, you're obviously coaching middle school mm-hmm. baseball kids that are very impressionable. Mm-hmm. You know, very as I, you know as if you have a middle schooler, you know, they know know it all. They know, know it all. Know a lot. Uh, um, and and you probably know that from coaching them. But uh, I mean, how I mean, how important is it for you to uh, you know let people know? your your story uh especially in greenville i mean you're a greenville person you
2: and, and have that impact right. on uh young men today right, right. It's, it's it's very important uh when i came home early on i was getting i was getting phone calls
3: from people man from from both sides of the track you know uh just to come and speak with uh their their kids that were going through transitions right because i understand that um uh, trials and, and and troubles are not uh, they, they don't have a color uh, they they don't have a, a, a economic economic bracket, you know. All people get in trouble, you know, and and so I, I I take I take pride in being being available, right? Because I'm always looking for the next little Derek Clark, especially around this age that I coach right now, because I realize right at that age that was like. You know, that was my really uh, transitioning period right there. So I'm always looking for the, the next little Derek Clark that I can help him uh, make that decision uh, to go a different way. Uh, I, I'll read this. It's
1: the, it's the last uh, paragraph uh, of your book. Uh, While God is still adding to my journey, the contents in this book express the transitions, transformation, and testimony that is formed in my life and the direction I'm progressing towards. Thank you all for being a part of my journey thus far. I hope to inspire and encourage even more by continuing to say yes to the call and responsibility. Mm-hmm. Amen. God bless. God keep. I love you all. Mm-hmm. That's how you end your book. Right. Uh, my journey, Derek Clark. Uh, I, I think that was a powerful way to wrap it up. And, uh any advice as we uh, wrap up the Pirate Radio podcast as I'll give you the last word today?
3: It's a, it's a great responsibility and I definitely appreciate this opportunity to come tell my story and I really hope that it inspires someone somewhere. Uh, uh, advice, uh, you can get in contact with me. Uh, if, if, if your child, if, if your kid is going through uh, something troubling, uh, you, you might need another voice in the room. Uh, I'm willing to share my story. I'm willing to share my story uh, with anyone, uh, anywhere, at any time.
1: Derek Clark, you're an inspiration. Uh, just an amazing story. People can read your book, Derek Clark, My Journey. Just Google that or, or search it on Amazon. Exactly. And it was real easy. Once I found out you had a book, I did the same and uh, and uh, ordered my copy and then dove into it. People will probably have more trouble putting it down. <laughs> and uh, so you can dive into it. It's it, it's a fun read. appreciate all you're doing for the community. Um, is there is there a your phone number or website that you want to give out, or any way to get to get up with you, if folks want personal training, or yeah, uh, yeah. or as you said, if you want to share your story,
3: right on Facebook, uh, Derek Clark on Facebook, uh, uh, on Instagram is is G Fit under it's G Fit underscore Grace to be fit on Instagram, and of course on TikTok I train. Uh, Derek Clark, you can look me up anyway, on any of those plat- uh, platforms.
1: And uh, if you need to get up with him, give us a call here at the radio station, and we'll get you connected with uh, Derek Clark. Thanks for being here on the Pirate Radio Podcast today.
3: Thank you for having me.
0: And that was another great episode of the Pirate Radio podcast with Jonathan Ellerby and his special guest, Derek Clark. We'll be back very soon with another episode. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in your Apple store. You can also visit our website at PR927FM.com and follow us on social media at PR927FM to keep up with the latest news and information. Until next time, have a great day, everyone. You've been listening to the Pirate Radio Podcast, an exclusive presentation of Pirate Radio, the voice of the Pirate Nation.